What a great season it is, though. A uh, great time for us to get together and uh, to worship and to get a focus on the true reason, reason for Christmas. Um, you know, I was thinking about um, the wonder of Christmas. And, um, and yet in the middle of all of that, there's fear not. Fear not, because Christmas is filled with so much wonder and made me think of the seven wonders of the world. So I thought, well, let's, let's just kind of put that up there so people can see what the seven wonders of the world are. So I searched it up, as the students would say, or I Googled it, as the old people would say. And, uh, and it's like there's not even agreement on what the seven wonders of the world are anymore. There's a historic sense of the wonders of the world. There's a natural sense of the wonders of the world. There's a um, buildings or thing man-made structures, sense of the wonders of the world. And then each nation, especially the Americans, they have their sense of the seven wonders of the world. And, uh, and so what I want to do at the end of our message today is give you the seven wonders of John 3.16, um, which really can help us focus on what this is really all about. Today's message is going to be in two parts. And so for those of you who are like, oh no, he's going to preach 42 minutes twice. We're going to be here forever. It's not going to be like that. We want to focus on a few things today. Right out of the text of John 3, 16. John 3, 16 is the most famous and popular verse in the entire Bible. Uh, you find it written on billboards. You'll find it, uh, guys holding up signs at football games. You'll find even uh, athletes with their, the blackout underneath their eyes and they'll have a little 316 underneath it. John 316 is the most well-known, most famous verse in the entire Bible. And that's what we wanna take a look at this morning. So it's up on the side walls. And uh, so you can join me and we're gonna read it together. All right, let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father God, thank you for this passage, for this very famous passage. Most people in our world, most people, at least in our nation, at some point they've heard this verse before. But Father, it truly is the reason of Christmas. And as John was writing and talking with Nicodemus, he, he, um, he, or as Jesus was, but John scribed these words for us so that we would get to the true core of why Jesus would come at Christmas. And so, Lord, as we look at this verse today, encourage our hearts, strengthen us, God, as only you can, for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's Christmas Sunday. The incarnation, or the coming of Jesus Christ. The expected arrival of Christ had been for the Jews, for those who studied the Old Testament. Uh, they've been looking forward to the Messiah who would come. And we've seen some of the verses that talk about that in Isaiah. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. And Isaiah went on and he said, um, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Micah had told us that he would be born in Bethlehem. In the New Testament, uh, the angel appears to Mary. I, I love that video. It's so funny to watch the adults when kids' videos are on in church. Because yeah, you guys are just glued to the screen. 
And, uh, um, but you're watching that, and in that story, in that narrative, we saw that the angel arrived and makes the message to, to Mary, who is just so blown away. How is this possible? Um, since I am a virgin, how is this possible? Since I've never known a man. And the explanation comes that God will do this work. And, and uh, she accepts that truth and glorifies God in Luke. And then the angel appears to Matthew in, excuse me, yeah, to, um, to, in a dream in Matthew to Joseph and tells him that Mary is going to have a child that was conceived by God. Um, here you have this guy who's, who's in a relationship with this girl. They are going to get married. They are not married. Uh, she is a virgin, and yet she now has, as the video said, she has this baby bump, and he's like, I got to get rid of her. I got to get this done, and he wants to do it privately. And all of this is going on as we uh, get up to the Christmas story. And then they travel to Bethlehem, and they get there, and the baby is born. Um, and then the angel appears to the shepherds out in the field. And they come to Bethlehem, and they see Jesus, and the Bible says they glorify him. They, they worshiped him. And then later the wise men come, and they come and they bring their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We don't have time to go into what all those meant, but they bring their gifts, and it says, and they worshiped him. All of this, the reason behind this season. See, Christmas was not only about the birth of Jesus, but also about the fulfillment of all that was required because of the fall of man into sin. Man has fallen into sin and there's requirements that God has and, and we're gonna see how those are fulfilled as we think about that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, if you were here last week, you would know that the setting of this text is uh, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus and he's already kind of blown him away with the sense that you don't get it. You don't understand. He's a religious leader. He doesn't get it. Well, Jesus now comes to John 3.16 and he blows him away even more because he says, for God so loved the world. In Nicodemus's mind, God loved his own people. That's who God loved. And now the, now the gates are being wide open to include all of us for God so loved the world. But what about this world? It was a world that he made the world that God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God so loved this world. God loved his creation. He loved what he had made. God loved the world he made. God loved the world, though, that fell. God loved the world that, that, that disregarded him and, and fell into sin. And in Genesis 3, 4 to 6, it says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, of the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband and he was with her and he ate. And their eyes were opened and they realized their sin and in Genesis 3, 15, we see the first picture in the Bible of how God is going to have to deal with this reality. God loved this world 
But a world that fell in Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, Jesus, and you shall bruise his heel. This world that he made, the world that fell, the world that as a result separated man from God in their sin. Romans 3.10 says, for there is none righteous, not even one. Hey, if you're here today, and you're hearing this message for the first time, or you're sitting there going, who do those pious Christians think they are? Don't lose sight of what this verse says. There's none righteous, not even one. Every one of us in this room come to the cross of Jesus Christ in the same way, as unrighteous sinners without hope who need a savior. But God so loved the world the world that rejected him. The world that rejected him and his son. Back in the Old Testament, God was to be the one who ruled the world. God was to be the one who ruled the nations. And, and the people of God said, we want our own king. We don't want to do it the way, God, you want us to do it. We want to do it the way we want to do it. This is the world that God loved. It says in 1 Samuel 8, 5 to 7, Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me from being the king over them. God loves this world. Why? Why? The people who now have rejected him, the people who say, oh God, we don't, we don't want you to rule over us. We want our own king. And not only that, but when Jesus Christ come, they re came, they reject the Savior. We saw it when we were looking in John 1, uh, verses 11, 12. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. As a result of that, we have a world that faces the righteous anger of God. Psalm 103, 8 to 10 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. God so loved the world, the world that he made, the world that rejected him, the world that rejected the Savior. His wrath now is required to be poured out. It's a world that's about to experience God's endless love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he gave his only son, Literally, his one and only son. Remember the story of Abraham and Isaac and, and, uh, and God um, says he wants a sacrifice and Abraham is taking Isaac to be the sacrifice and they're going up and, and God says, God will provide. God will provide. I never understood how strong that was as Abraham was about to take his son, he had a knife in his hand. 
But he, believed, he actually believed, according to Hebrews, that God was going to raise his son from the dead. He was actually going to kill his son because that's what God required. I didn't understand the weight of those words until one time, way long time ago, 41 years ago, I was preaching at Dunbar Heights Baptist Church in Vancouver, and I was preaching on this text, and my son was about one year old. See, I could think about it before, but now I had a son. And Abraham was being off, offering his son Isaac, and yet God provided, God provided for the sacrifice. That's all fulfilled now as God sends his one and only son, whom he loved. And God sends his son to be the satisfaction of the wrath of God that, we, that is poured out on us that we deserved because we have rejected him, that world that has rejected him. And God comes in his son, his one and only son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, his one and only son. God doesn't love in words and in platitudes. God loves in deeds. This is the essence of how God expressed his love. We were, we were set apart from him with no hope, and he sacrificed to satisfy his righteous wrath. Well, so what? So what? Think about it. When God gave his one and only son, he did the unthinkable. He did what we would never imagine or comprehend that could be done. He gave his only son. The gift that God gave in his son is the greatest evidence of his love for sinners. It's the greatest evidence of his love for you. Galatians 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. In a sense, that's the bad news and the beginning of the good news that God loved his world, this world so much that he gave his son. And in a few minutes, we'll see the second half, the great news that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this verse. Thank you for the truth that is found in it. We think of this Christmas season that the God's love of the world that he gave his son, your son, Jesus Christ, who came. Your son who came to be the sacrifice for us. Your son who came at the right time so that we could have life. We could be adopted as sons of God. Lead us as we continue to worship. Lead us in your word. Work in the power of your spirit. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You see the requirement of the first half of the verse, God's love displayed at an immense price leads to the second half of the verse that God is our only hope. The second half of the verse says that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We've talked about as we've been studying through the gospel of John, not just believing about Jesus. People believe that Jesus was a real person. People believe that Jesus actually walked on the earth. It's not believing about Jesus. It's about believing in Jesus. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting 
life. It's understanding the first half of the verse and what was required to satisfy the wrath of God. Man separated from God with no hope. The only satisfaction, the only satisfaction is found in Jesus Christ. God's love, our only hope. In 1 John, another book that John wrote, it says this, in this is love, the love of God that was manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God. We saw that, right? We saw that in the first half. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation, big word for the satisfaction of the wrath of God. He um, sent his son to be the satisfaction of the wrath of God for our sins. We don't love like God loves. But God is the one who loved even after uh, the rejection of man, even after the rejection from our own hearts. And yet he still loved us enough to send his only son, uh, Jesus Christ. After all that mankind did, he still loved. After all that was poured out on him, he still loved. And he still loves there are some amazing results that come and are available for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what are the results? If God loved the world so much that he gave a son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What are, what are the results? What's the return on investment, as it were, except the investment's not ours. The investment was all made by God on our behalf. Here's a few things. Here's the first thing, that we would be children of God, that we would become sons and daughters of God. Again, in 1 John, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you come to that place of understanding that your sin, my sin, separates us from God, and Jesus Christ came to satisfy the wrath of God, and by transferring our trust for where our hope lies, in, instead of it being in me, in what I can do and what I can accomplish, my hope is found in Jesus Christ. If I do that, I'm a child of God. But here's another thing. I'm kept from the wrath of God. Um, I shall not perish. You won't perish. The Bible says that those who reject Christ will perish. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But some are going to do that. It'll be too late and they will perish. They'll be separated from God for eternity in a place that the Bible calls hell. You don't want to perish. You want to be right with God. You want to see God's wrath in your life or God's wrath in my life satisfied. And it was satisfied by believing in what Jesus did, not in what I can do. Romans 5, 8 to 10 says, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, the working of the cross, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to the God by death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Our only hope, the only hope 
for mankind is found in Jesus Christ. We become children of God. We're kept from the wrath of God. And then the text says that we'll have eternal life. We'll have eternal life. Life that begins eternally the moment you trust Christ, but goes on for eternity. When we, when we die and leave this world, we go to something so much better where we will worship the, with the King of Kings and worship the King of Kings forever. John 14, 6 says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, that's what Jesus said. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Not only a length of life, but a quality of life for those who trust Christ. And that leads to the last part of this, eternal life where? Eternal life in heaven. If John 3.16 is the most famous verse of the Bible, probably the most famous passage of the Bible is Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, that whole thing finishes with this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. See, the purpose of the incarnation was not hopeless condemnation, but glorious salvation. The purpose of the coming of Christ was not a hopeless condemnation. That's what we deserved. But it wasn't a hopeless condemnation, but a glorious salvation. In John chapter three, the next verses right after verse 16 say this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Salvation for all who believe. If you believed, you have the hope of these verses. Romans 8, 1 to 4, there's therefore now no condemnation. What a great hope, church. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. That just means God's, uh, God's wrath would be satisfied who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. John 3.16, is that verse real in your life this morning? Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? The purpose of the incarnation was so that Christ could go to the cross to satisfy the wrath of God. And all you have to do is receive the gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a free gift that comes from God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and you will be saved. You're like, well, you don't know how wretched I am. Like, I'm a mess. We're all a mess outside of the cross. You know, but you don't know how deep my sin is. I, I know God saved people like Paul the Apostle who was, who was consenting to people being put to death. Like, is your stuff worse than his stuff? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's simple faith. It's a transfer of trust. 
It's like, yeah, but, but like, I, I, my life is such a mess. You let the Lord take care of the mess. You believe. Today is the day of salvation. And church, we are filled with a great hope because for those of us who trusted Christ, that verse is now reality in our lives. We look forward to eternal life because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Well, so what? I did my little Google search for the seven wonders of the world and, and uh, they couldn't agree on what the seven wonders of the world were. Uh, some people in Canada think the CN Tower is one of the seven wonders of the world. Maybe Niagara Falls, but not the CN Tower. But what are the seven wonders of John 3, 16? You know, in a world that's filled with plagiarism, it's always good to admit when something's not your own. Okay. I'm not smart enough to come up with this on my own. So, but I don't know who did. So I'm just not taking credit for it. I've cleaned it up a little bit because it was in Old English. But here's the seven wonders of John 3.16. God. God. Here's the first wonder. The almighty authority. God. So love the world. The perfect motive. The, the motive that went beyond what any of us would ever do because the world had fallen so far. God so loved the world that he gave his only son the incredible gift. His one and only son. The incredible gift. That whoever, whoever, that's the widest welcome. If you're here today, the Holy Spirit is coming upon you, working in you, going, you're like, I, I, I need this. I need to get right with God. I need the widest welcome. Believes in him. The great escape. Should not perish. The divine deliverance, but have eternal life, the priceless possession. You know, the seven wonders of the world, whether it's the Great Wall of China or Niagara Falls or whatever you think the seven wonders of the world are, they don't compare with what was offered to us in Jesus Christ. The almighty authority, the perfect motive, the incredible gift, the widest welcome, the great escape, the divine deliverance, and a priceless possession, eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have everlasting, eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this awesome verse. As followers of Christ, it is our hope. And for anybody who's here today who's never trusted Christ, I pray that your spirit would work in them. I'm not going to twist anybody's arm. Or not. Lord, you have to do that work. We trust that you will. And so God, work through the power of your spirit, through the power of your word in this Christmas season for all of us, Lord, will we get a new and refocused vision on the seven wonders of your awesome work for us in our salvation. For your glory, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.